turn to Acts chapter 2. Because um, I'm not sure there's a good way to get into to the message today. Um, because we're talking about something that just makes everybody feel good. Okay, we're talking about something that when you, when, when you, when you bring it up, everybody in the room just kind of gets excited. Okay, we're talking about sin. We're talking about sin. We're talking about repentance of sin. I mean, what better way? You know, to start off a Sunday morning and church service where you come to feel good, right, and, and get wisdom for the week. To, man, just, just we're going to talk about sin and what do we do with sin, right? And repentance of sin. And, um, because here's the deal. We looked at a passage last week in Acts chapter 2. We're looking at the, the essentials of the church, the early church. Jesus has ascended into heaven. You've got the apostles and the believers there that were numbered about 120. And, and, uh, and Peter goes and delivers a message to a bunch of religious leaders and basically the ones that crucified Jesus, right? And, uh, and basically says, as we looked at last week, that j- this Jesus, this Jesus that you crucified, he's both Christ and Lord. And today we're going to look at their response in that. Verses 37 through 41 of Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We're going to look at the response of that. And so let's read it and then we'll, we'll, we'll dig into it a little bit. Um, but it says there in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Underline that if you've got your Bible in front of you. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the brothers, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all. Somebody say all. For all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, which as a preacher, that's encouraging. Okay? They don't say the other words, but it says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. What a day. What a day. Because what you have, right, is a message. You have a message. Peter delivered a message. And what happened after the message? There was a response. All who heard it, it says, they were cut to the heart. And they asked, what shall we do? And what's Peter's response? Just keep coming to church. Right? Just keep coming and I'll keep preaching. No, that wasn't the response. His response was repent and be baptized. Right? Do something with the message that you've heard. And here's, and here's my fear for us, and here's why I feel like this is so important, and here's why I feel like many of you are going to leave today and say, man, I could have done without that message. I didn't like that one very much. It's because I think something critically hmm, dangerous, dangerous has happened within our churches. We have become passive towards sin. Towards repentance. Towards even talking about it. I mean, many, many of my brothers, many preachers today, and I, and I get it, I understand it, 
Because when you, pre- when you start preaching about sin and the need for repentance of sin and the fact that sin in your life is going to separate you from God and, and keep you from living the life that God intended you to live, people leave. Right? That doesn't feel very good. To work on your life, and especially those areas of your life that aren't pleasing to God and cause you guilt and shame that you're carrying, right? Right? Those areas of your life, they take work and they're hard. And, my, and so my, they're, they're, they're my brothers in the ministry that are preaching that won't even say the word sin from the pulpit. They won't even bring up the importance of repentance. But yet we're here and, and, and we too, right? We talked about last week, the Lordship of Christ that leads us to repentance. That leads us to repentance. Because there was a change in these people's hearts. There was a change in these lives, right? What shall we do? And Peter had nothing to lose. I mean, let's just think about the miracle that is Peter for just a moment. I know I did some of this last Sunday, but I get all the services confused and I can't remember which service I went into this and which I didn't. But so forgive me if you're hearing this again. But let's just think for a second about the miracle that is Peter sharing this message. Peter, the same guy that denied Jesus three times, just, you know, maybe a month and a half, two months earlier. And then the same one that Jesus restored, right? Because Jesus restored him. And now he's taking the front lines of the ministry of the church, giving the first message and, and didn't give any fluff last week. This Jesus whom you crucified, right? Remember, he said, this Jesus whom you crucified, I'm sure that was easy to hear, is both Christ and Lord. Peter, Peter, apostles, Mary, what do we do? They were cut to the heart. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. And he says, without skipping a beat, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. So they wanted to respond. They were cut to the heart. Let's start with that, right? It says there, very, now when they heard this, when they heard the message that, that Jesus was both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified, that's found in verse 36, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. The Greek translation for that, for that phrase means they were stung. They were stunned, right? And while the word conviction doesn't appear here, it clearly reflects the attitude of the heart that we see, that they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. They were convicted of their sin. And they wanted to do something about it. They wanted to do something about it. They were so convicted about their sin that they wanted to do something about it. Now, before we go any further, what we've got to recognize and what I want us to come to grips with, because I know some of you are wishing that you'd have slept in or you'd just gone to the blue pig for breakfast or done something else after hearing what we're going through, right? But, but, but what you need to recognize this morning, what I need to recognize this morning before we go a step further, is that this message is for every one of us. It's for every one of us. Raise your hand in here if you are without sin. Anybody? You can come preach. Okay? Right? 
This me- the, the, the thing that we have to come to grips with, right, is this message is for every single one of us. It's for every single one of us. When we talk about repentance, we're not just talking about the group of people, right, that believe a certain way. We're not just talking about the group of people that talk a certain way. You want to know what I believe one of the number one sins that's wrecking the church of America today? Maybe the church in the world today? Gossip. Slander. Yet nobody wants to talk about that one. But it's ripping pastors apart. It's ripping church leaders apart. It's ripping pastors' wives apart. Let me tell you something. If you don't have a healthy pastor's wife, you don't have a healthy pastor right? I mean, it's ripping, it's ripping churches apart, but yet everybody wants to cuddle up with gossip. And what we have to come to grips with in in Scripture, in in our lives, is that sin is sin is sin. Jesus does not get into the business of ranking sin. It's all sin because sin separates us from God. And so it bothers the heart of God. And so he equates all sin equally because it separates him from his children. And he wants nothing less than to be with his children. And so the heart of God is bothered by sin because of the links that he went through so that he could be with his children, it's bothered. And so he doesn't, he doesn't say this sin is worse than this sin. Sin is sin. And so we all need this message. Every one of us. And it says they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. My prayer all weekend, all week has been, God, would you cut to the heart? of your people? Would you break the hearts of your people over sin that has held us in bondage for years? For years, would you cut to the heart? Would you break through? Because see, these leaders, these religious leaders, these listeners to Peter, the hearers of this message, right? They were a lot like us. They were a lot like us. Scripture calls them later on in verse 40. Was it 40 or 41? Um, let's find it for the promise is for all of you and for your children and for all who are far off every one of you whom the Lord our God calls to himself and with many other words he bore witness and continued to saying them save yourselves from this crooked, gener- crooked generation so that those who received his word and baptized there were added that day about 3,000 souls the crooked generation the stiff necked generation and so the, things that, the thing that we have to come to grips with is that the people, people who heard this sermon were a lot like us. Their hearts had become hardened. Their hearts had become hardened. Their hearts had become numb to who they were. Their hearts had become passive. But nevertheless, they were cut to the heart. The last thing I'm interested in doing when I preach Well, there's two things. Number one, entertaining. Right? I had somebody come up to me a few years ago and say, man, you are the funniest preacher I've ever heard. It broke my heart. Because I'm like, that's not my goal. Funniest looking? Yeah, I can get behind that. But funniest? Man, that's, that's missing the mark. 
The last thing I want to do is be entertained. The second thing, the last thing I want to do is make anybody feel guilty. I believe that's the Holy Spirit's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. And if anybody, I mean, we've kind of already done this a little bit, but if anybody I'll say it this way. It's messages like this that make me feel disqualified to be up here. As I would hope it would be the case with anybody that would come and preach on repentance. But nevertheless, they were cut to the heart. And nevertheless, I believe God's heart for us in gathering together. And the reason I believe we see this right here in the beginning of Acts, repent and be baptized, is because there ought to be a culture among us of repentance and forgiveness of sins. There ought to be a culture among us of conviction and struggle because none of us are alone in that. So they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And I don't know if that's ever happened to you where the Word of God came to you so that when you heard it, you knew the arguments were over. You knew the excuses were done. And the response was, what can I do? What can I do? For me, for me, it always seems to happen when I'm least expecting it. Like, I've heard God's voice the loudest in services or conferences uh, growing up, right? When, when, when I really didn't want to be there. When I really didn't want to be in church. When I really didn't want to go that night. Like, like, like the night when I was 16 years old and we had played football all Sunday afternoon and we were hungry as teenage boys. And so there was a youth group in town that was serving pizza. And so we went. Why'd we go? Pizza. I sat in the back as far back as I could. Why? I was closest to the pizza. And I didn't want to be there. And as I was, as I was there... Right? And, the, and they, they, these people in ministry, they're so slick. Right? Because if they'd have served the pizza first, I would have suddenly felt ill and just gotten out of there. Right? But they didn't serve the pizza first. They didn't serve the pizza first. They made you listen to church. Right? And, and Joe Tanner got up there and preached a message and at the end of it said, does anybody called to ministry, and I started weeping. I was cut to the heart. I didn't even want to be there. I was cut to the heart. You know how many pieces of pizza I ate that night at that youth event? Zero. Goose egg. Because I was cut to the heart. I couldn't eat. I'm like, I got to go home. I got to tell my parents I'm called to ministry. Right? I got I to tell I got to do something here. Right? There was a response. Few, fast forward a few years later, I was trying to run from the Lord. I was consumed with basketball and consumed with other things in my life. And my mom convinced me to go to church one night. She convinced me to go to church. She, she guilted me. She's like, I'm, I guess I'll sit by myself. 
Sunday night service, they had a guest speaker. I guess I'll sit by myself. So I went, didn't want to be there. People tried to talk to me. I was cold shouldering them. You know, I had masks all over. See, masks didn't just show up this past year. We've been wearing them for a long time. They just became visible this past year. Let that preach for a minute. Come on now. Where was I? I was sitting there. I didn't want to be there. Right? And the preacher... I can't even remember his name. I can't remember the rest of his message. But somewhere, some reason that night, he said in his message, he said, there's never too much water under the bridge for your calling. And that night I went home and I'm like, oh yeah. I was cut to the heart. I looked at my dad. I'm like, I got to get to Liberty University. I got to learn. I got to get back into ministry. That's my calling. I got to get away from this. I got to get, get here. And that's when my life changed and met Kristen and the rest is history. Here I am. Right? But it was the times when I was expecting it and hear me, wanted it the least that God cut me to the heart and I needed it the most. And some of you are here this morning in the same boat. You don't want to be here. You're here to check a box. You're here so that Ian will stop calling you and asking you if you're engaged in the church and the life of the church or Lois or Dan. You're, you're, right? you're, you're here to... Some, some of you are here because you got dragged here. Some of you are here because you got promised that you'll get to go to lunch after. Right? Or, or maybe you went to breakfast before. Some of us are, some of us are here to check a box. Some of us are here and we're being passive with this thing called faith. We're being passive with this thing called Christianity. And I believe that God wants to cut some people to the heart. There's conviction. There's conviction. I wonder if that's ever happened to you. And then the question shows up. How do I respond? How do I respond? How do I respond? Because, because, right? I mean, we got to respond. We're great at getting people to make decisions. We're not great at showing them how to respond to those decisions. Just come to Jesus. Now what? Oh, you'll figure it out. He'll teach you. He'll show you everything, right? We, at the ch- as the church of Jesus, have to wrestle with the fact that we are called to be a people that walk with one another, even in the dirt, even in the filth, even in the mess. The great things, yeah, praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord. But even in the things that separate us from God. So Peter gives him a four-part response. He gives him a four-part response that I see. And the first we're going to lump together. So the title of the message today, and it's what we're really wrestling with here. The other three kind of support the reason for doing number one. So we're going to spend most of our time on number one. Peter gives him a four-part response, and as, as these people were cut to the heart, and they said, what, what, what do we do? How do we respond to this? Peter says, Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. So let's, let's start with repentance, right? 
This word implies a complete change of heart and the confession of sin. A complete change of heart and the confession of sin. He couples this with the call to be baptized, linking both with the forgiveness of sins. And we're going to get to baptism in just a minute. But I want you to see something. This word implies a complete, somebody say complete, complete change of heart in the confession of sin. Can I borrow your backpack again? I forgot mine. Okay, here's what we do. I did this in the first service, and Dylan wasn't in here, so I used his backpack without his permission. But as most of you know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Right? So here's, here's what many of us do. Right? We've got our backpack, right? And it's full of, it's full of sin, guitar school, you know, and, uh, and, and it's full. And here's what we do when, when we go to repent, right? We bring it to the cross, right? We, we, t- we, we kind of pick and choose some of the things that we want to take out here. We lay them at the feet of the cross, right? I'll, I'll, even, I'll even take a couple more out because I'm really, I'm really, you know, cut to the heart today. Okay, all right. But that's it. And we, take, and we take this with us. And, th- and there's two problems with, with carrying this with us. Right? Let's deal, with, let's deal with the first. Right? The bag, right, that we carried our sin in to the cross, we're taking back from the cross with us. That's not a complete change. Let me tell you why. How many of you moms know if you have a surface in your house it will collect things on that surface. Amen. Right? If there is an end table, if there is an entertainment, if there is a counter, something will land there. Right? Right? Vera, our three-year-old, got a Doc McStuffins playset. 30 pieces. She takes it upon herself to put a piece on every surface in our house. It's like she's planning a scavenger hunt for her brother later, right? Go find all 30 pieces. Hint, hint, they're on surfaces all throughout the house. If we have a bag, right? This makes us, this is our security, right? If we have a bag and there's room for more luggage, We'll stuff it. We'll stuff it. Complete change of heart, complete repentance means you leave your bag there at the foot of the cross. The enemy will provide you another bag when he's ready to tempt you. But you leave it at the foot of the cross. The other reason we like to bring it with us, there's this little pouch right here that God doesn't see. Right? These are the things that are really holding us in bondage. And if I keep it with me, then I, I, I keep it accessible. I, I, keep, I, you know, I keep it accessible. Because this, this isn't as bad of a sin as those right there, but it makes me feel comfortable. It gives me security. It gives me a confidence that I don't have if I don't have it. And that's why when Peter says repent, Jesus said it all throughout the Gospels. He means taking the whole thing. He didn't have anything valuable in there. I checked in the first service. It means taking the whole thing. Complete change. 
of heart. That's repentance. That's repentance. Now, he says, repent and be baptized. Okay, we got to talk about baptism. He says, repent and be baptized. Why does he want baptism? Because he includes baptism as the forgiveness of sins. Why? Because it identifies us with Jesus. Again, Jesus didn't say all throughout the Gospels, repent and be baptized. Peter kind of adds the baptism. Jesus emphasized baptism in his teaching, right? But it wasn't until after Jesus' ascension that repent and be baptized really got lumped together. So the temptation for us when we read this, repent and be baptized, baptism's essential for salvation. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. We've got to be careful with that. Okay, let me tell you why. Let me give you a scenario. Okay, right? Grandmother in the hospital on her deathbed, right? Five minutes before she goes to be with Jesus, she gives her life to Christ. She didn't have a chance to get baptized. She's still in heaven? Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. And so I always get leery of folks that teach baptism essential, right, to be saved. Not true. Repentance? Yes. Baptism? Let's call it biggie-sized. Right? It's a plus, right? It's an added bonus. Now, taking that away, right? Taking that away, I believe baptism is extremely important. Extremely important. Super valuable. And talk about something we've become passive within the church. Right? I had somebody in the first year of my ministry here come to me and say, I'm ready to be baptized. Great. You want to get back? It was like January. Great. You want to get, let's, let's plan a baptism. She's like, well, I need it to be in July because I need it to be at least 90 degrees. The water needs to be at least 75 because I want you to baptize me in the ocean. What? We're completely missing the point. That's completely missing the point. Like, I'll, I mean, I'll baptize. When, when I was in North Carolina, we didn't have a baptism. We didn't have a baptistry like this. So we went out and got a trough. The, the things that the cows and horses drink water out of, we baptized people. And you know what? Those are some of my favorite memories of baptism. Having people sit down in there. Is he going to fit? Lord, you know. It's like the Valley of Dry Bones, right? Can these bones live? Lord, you know. Right? Is this person going to fit in the baptistry? Lord, you know. It'll be a miracle. If they, and they always did. They always did. Right? The point is, we emphasize baptism because it identifies us with Jesus. It identifies us with Jesus. Let me say it this way. Repentance is an inward change. Complete change of the heart is the definition of repentance we're going with here. Complete change of heart. Baptism is the outward expression of an inward change. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life, everything's washed off. Now again, there's different expressions of baptism, right? Sprinkling, some people get water guns, right? I mean, there's, there's, all, kind, there's all kinds of different expressions of baptism. And while my preferred method is baptism by immersion, dunking people, especially middle schoolers, because let's be honest... Right? Well, my preferred method of baptism is submersion, because I believe that's what Jesus did. There's debate there, but we're not going to get into that this morning, okay? 
Baptism is baptism. I will never forget, I'll never forget a dear lady came to me, diagnosed with cancer, terminal, deathly afraid of water. She had been a Christian for about 40 years. She'd never been baptized. Never been baptized. Her, uh, I remember her as Miss Sitlow. And she came to my pastor and I about three months before she passed on to be with Jesus. And she said, I need to be baptized. I've never been baptized. Took me by surprise. But she said, I'm deathly afraid of water. I can't get in that, I can't get in that water. I'll pass out. Well, we didn't want her to pass out. Right? And so we, on a Sunday morning, we got together and we sprinkled her and she had as much of a reaction and an experience with Jesus as anybody would have that would have been dunked in water and raised. Right? So the, meth- the method can be different, but the heart of baptism can always be the same. You hear me? That's not, that's not a closed-fisted thing we're going to fight to the death over, church. Baptism, yes. Method, we can discuss. Okay? Now, I got to tell you, because I know some of you Baptist people are really tweaked right now. I'm Baptist by training. Okay? But that's not a hill we can die on. Baptism, yes. Method, I don't believe so. So let's get back to the heart. Let's get back to the heart of the message and what Peter's talking about. Right? Let's get back. You can see, we got the thing filled. Tonight at 6 o'clock with Asa, we're dunking him. We're going to hold him down for about four and a half minutes. Because he's a middle schooler. He's got a lot of things that need to come clean. Okay? And when we stop seeing bubbles, we'll pull him up. Okay? We'll have a fireman on hand, first responder. It's going to be fine. Okay? It's going to be fine. He's going to be great. He wanted to get baptized in Sebago Lake in January. I think he'll be fine. Okay? Bless his heart. All right? But But hear me. Hear me. Baptism is not an event, okay, that we make, like, about the wrappings, the temperature, the location, the backdrop, all that. that that's all well and good. I baptized people in the ocean. It was awesome. But I baptized people here, and it was the same thing. It's about the heart. It's an outward expression of an inward change. I was in Israel six months after Kristen and I got married. We went to Israel. And we got the opportunity to be baptized in the Jordan River. Same waters that Jesus was baptized in. So you you do it, right? If you ever go to Israel, you get the chance and they tell you, hey, put this robe on, you can go be baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, Yes, right? This means yes, this means no. Yes, right? And... uh, a pastor friend of mine that was on the trip with me, he's, he's older, he's retired now. Found that out in the first service when I was telling the story for the first time. Kristen informed me he's retired. And uh, his name's Pastor Terry Falkenberry. He founded a church down in North Carolina. And he was on the trip with us. And I remember Pastor Terry and his wife Phyllis getting baptized right after Kristen and I. And after you got baptized, you were ushered back into the locker room to change so we got in the locker room and Pastor Terry is over in the corner. He's on his knees and he's just worshiping God. And, and the, the experience overwhelmed him. 
I mean, he had been baptized before, but being rebaptized here in the same water in, in, in the Jordan River, it overwhelmed him. So much so that me and another guy that had just been baptized, like we start weeping and we have this worship experience right in this locker room over our rebaptism experience. Because it was moving. Jesus modeled baptism as the beginning of his ministry. It was important to him that he goes to John. Remember this from Christmas? And says, I need to be baptized. And John looks at him, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. But he baptizes him. Jesus modeled baptism for us so that we could identify with him in baptism after salvation. It's important. It's important. And whenever, whenever we see Jesus teach in the New Testament, whenever we see Jesus teach in the Gospels, immediately after people started following Jesus, they were baptized. Immediately, they were baptized. Immediately, they were baptized. And we become passive with this. Hey, whenever you're ready, whenever you're comfortable, we used to not have a heater for this thing, and it was awesome to see people get in these baptism waters. I think one, one or two of you girls have been, but yeah, Kylie, you were baptized right here. And it was cold, wasn't it? Yeah. It was awesome. She came up, her breath was taken away. It's important. And it was essential to the teaching of the early church. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. I'm sure that will generate an email this week. And that's great. Send it to ian at summitmain.org or Dylan. Those are my complaint departments. Here's the question. We good? What do we do with our guilt? Because, he, because, because here's, here's the thing, right? Okay, pastor, repent and be baptized. But, no, no but. But, 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 but the guilt, right? I've got, I've got to become, I've got to, I've got to clean some things up before I can come to Jesus. I've got to, I've got to do all these things. See, no one can look me in the eye. Whether you're in here or you're watching online, no one can look me in the eye and say that they have no guilt. No one. There is guilt somewhere over something. No one can look me in the eye and say, there is no guilt. Shame and guilt cripple us when it comes to repentance. Sometimes we carry burdens of guilt that have nothing to do with the things of God. They're culturally imposed. But there's a difference between false guilt and real guilt. There is such a thing as guilt. And real guilt takes place, listen, when we disobey the law of God. Some of us are crippling ourselves with this guilt that's not even, that, that doesn't even have to do with repentance, that doesn't even have to do with the, the law of God, that doesn't even have to do with obedience to God. And we're completely missing the real guilt over here where we're, where we're grieving the heart of God because of our sin. Because of our complacency. Because of our passivity. It 
Since the garden, the Garden of Eden in Genesis, people have tried every method, every method to take away the guilt and shame, but the only thing that will really do that is real forgiveness. Because here's the truth. We're debtors that can't pay our debt. There is no debt forgiveness. Outside of Christ. Outside of the work of the cross. That's why He's living hope. We can't live well enough today, tomorrow, next week, to make up for the past. The only thing that will take care of real guilt is real forgiveness. And the price tag for that real forgiveness is repentance. When we come to God and say, God, I'm sorry I've offended you. I acknowledge my sin. And my only hope is your forgiveness. Their response was to repent and be baptized. Number two, under Jesus. Under Jesus. Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. So hear me. Hear me. Because we've got to deal with this, right? Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it in culture, right? Joe Rogan's even talking about it on his podcast. For some of you guys that listen to his podcast, right? Like everybody's talking about this, this celebrity pastor model of church and all, of, all these different things, right? Look, we've we, we got to get away from that. Okay, it's time to teach true repentance, real repentance. Okay, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in the name of Travis Bush. Not in the name of Ian Wallen. Not in the name of Summit Church. Not in, not in the name of Francis Chan or David Platt or, or Matt Chandler or Tim Keller. That's a big one. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. You're not doing it for me. Hear me. I want it for you. I want it for you. I wouldn't be up here. I wouldn't be up here preaching this. I'd, I'd preach something about the movies. Right? We'd go to Wonder Woman. We'd talk about, I'd preach something, how to have your best life now. I'd preach something different. I would. If I wanted to make you happy and feel good, I would go there. But I don't. I want you to have life in the name of Jesus. Not me. Not Summit. I want you to have, I want it for you. But I can't do it for you. Hear me. Hear me. I watched my daughter. I watched my daughter play two basketball games last night. I was thinking about you. Right? I was thinking about this message today. And I watched her. I watched her out there and she's going for a rebound, flat-footed. And it drove me crazy. Jump, Bria! Jump! Jump for the love! Jump! I didn't yell it. I wrote it in a note in my phone and I, read her, I let her read it after. Because I'm trying to be good on the sidelines. Okay? I'm trying really hard. Okay? 
But as a parent, you know, right? You want your kid to do something, you want them to jump, you want them to do something, and they just won't do it. And you're like, it's right there. Jump, right? That's how I feel this morning. Repentance, forgiveness of sins, life in the name of Jesus, it's right there, but you're, you got your hands chained by this gossip. You got your hands chained by this slander. You got your hands chained by this bitterness, by these wounds that you won't let heal. I want it for you, but I can't do it for you. It's got to be in the name of Jesus. It's got to be in the name of Jesus. What is it going to take? God, speak to us. What's it going to take? When is it going to be enough for us to come to grips with the fact that God needs to break us? It's more than cute sayings that a divided world needs a united church. That sounds awesome. But what's it going to take for us to grab onto it? What's it going to take for us to deal with the sin that's separating us from God and be a part of revival? It can't happen if our eyes aren't fixed on Jesus. I mean, Peter had every opportunity here, right? To make it about him. But he knew he couldn't. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Number three, we got to get going. I'm sorry. Receive the gift. He says, repent and be baptized, receive the gift for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The helper. The helper. And then number four, embrace the promise for the promise is for you and for your children and all and for all. Somebody say all. For all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. Repent, be baptized under Jesus. Receive the gift. And embrace the promise that's yours. And with many other words, He bore witness. Continue to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41, so those who received His word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls. That's a good message. That's a good day. That's a good God. That's a good Savior. So, what do we do? Summit Church. January 17th, 2021. Number one, we've got to recognize our need. 
Number one, we've got to lay aside our pride and recognize our need. We've already, we've already established, right? Not one of us in here is without sin. But yet, some of us have wrestled with this pride for a long time. Right? That I've got to be, I've got to, I've, I've got to be this. I've got to be that. I have this reputation at church, so they can't know about this. Right? Let me ask you something. If we can't know about it, who can? If we're the family that God has given you to be you, I mean, I operated this, I, I operated under this, under this mask for, for far too long and burned out twice, thinking I had to be a type of pastor that I had in my mind. Let me tell you, from experience, that will lead to destruction for you. Don't go there. Don't buy into the lie that you have to be something you're not for us. Recognize your need for repentance. Recognize your need for forgiveness. Number two, receive God's gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. Receive God's gift. Receive God's gift. We talk about this all the time, especially at Christmas, right? If I'm going to give a gift to Landon, right? He's got to reach out and grab the gift, right? He's got to reach out and take the gift. He's got to receive the gift. Receive God's gift of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And then number three, obey the message. We must obey the message. I mean, Peter, repent and be baptized, every one of you. For forgiveness of sins under Christ, receive the gift. For the promise is for all. For the promise is for all. Obey the message. Genuine faith always includes repentance. One thing I know, one thing I know is that none of us, if you want some good news this morning, some hope, <laughs> the end of a hard sermon, none of us reach perfection in this, this side of heaven. In the same way, we all need repentance. We all have to come to the realization that we are all in process. If you've been a Christian for five minutes or five decades, you're in process. You're in process. And the process of repenting, receiving the gift, embracing the promise, coming under the Lordship of Jesus like we talked about last week, it's a daily battle. That you are not alone in. That's why we're preaching this. We want you to engage with the church in these ways. Because we want you to remember you're not alone. You need repentance, I need repentance. You need lordship, I need lordship. These were the essential markers of the church. But my question for you today is, 
What is standing in between you and God that you need to turn over to God? Come on, worship team. You gotta hurry now. And I've thought all week about how do we do this? What's the call to repentance today? What does it look like? Thought about having you right. What stands in the way between you and God? What sin are you dealing with in your life right now? Thought about having you write it on a sheet of paper and come and throw it in the baptistry, but we got to baptize Asa tonight. I thought about having you come, drop it in. Did this with a lot of youth events. Drop it in a trash can. We'd set it on fire, but we don't own the building anymore, so I was worried about setting stuff on fire in here. And it's really between you and God. I do think there's something special about confession. And if you need that, find somebody today. Ian, me, Bruce back there, Dylan, Rob back there running computer, Krista Tibbetts. Find somebody on your way out today. Say, hey, I need you to pray for me in this. Because this sin is whipping me right now. That serves you. I encourage you to do it. If you want to take your connection card and on the back with a prayer request section, you don't even have to put your name if you want to leave it anonymous. Will you pray for blank? We'll pray for you. We'll pray for those sins this week. I promise you. But my prayer has been God, cut us to the heart when it comes to our sin, break our hearts. Break our hearts. There's that old song, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Would you be willing to surrender this morning? Come to the cross and say, God, I'm done. I'm giving it over to you and I'm leaving the bag. Complete heart change, God. I'm not taking any of it with me. I surrender. I surrender. I'm going to close with this and I'll pray. If you've never been a Christian before in this room, if you've never surrendered to Jesus, can I tell you something? Today can be the day for salvation. God is real. And there's a gift and there's a promise that's real. And we want you to follow Him. We want you to walk with Him. Repent. Come to Jesus. He will set you free. And He'll be with you forever. Look at me, Christian. I want to talk to Christians. Some of you have got saved in 1974 or around there. Some of you got saved a long time ago, before I was born. Some of you gotten saved in the last five years. I got to experience it with you, for some of you in this room.
And yet some of you are carrying around some baggage and some chains and some bondage that you don't need to carry. Repent. Repent. Pray the hardest prayer you'll ever pray. God, cut me to the heart over this sin. And repent. It's not only a prayer of forgiveness, but I heard it prayed this time. Lord, go in Jesus' name. Pray not only for God's forgiveness, that's part of it, but pray that the desire, that the words, that the pride, Go in Jesus' name. Don't carry it any longer. Father, I pray that we get back to basics here. That we would not have a culture of passivity when it comes to sin and repentance. But that we would seek forgiveness and not only forgiveness, but freedom from sin. God, I know that's your desire for us because you sent Jesus to die for our sin and to set us free. And God, I pray that in Lordship, we wouldn't see this as a one-time event, but a lifestyle. Of recognizing our sin. Repenting. And walking in freedom. And so I pray for those of us that are sitting here this morning and thinking, yeah, but it's just not that easy. Cut us to the heart. Convict us. In Jesus' name.